think this is the beginning of the show. It okay. feels like the beginning. We were talking, and then we paused for a second, and now I'm thinking our sponsors, Squarespace, Pingdom, and Team. This is, this is like last week, where you started that poem, and I didn't know it was the beginning of the show, and I just kept saying things. I know. I had to edit a bunch of that out. Yep. I want to keep you on your toes. This is Connected Episode 181. You've already heard the voice of one of my co-hosts, Mike Hurley. Mike, how are you? I'm very good. Are you good? Uh, and we're also joined by Federico Vitici. Hi. Uh, this is a strange introduction. I like it. My day is all topsy-turvy, so I am not in my office. I am in someone else's office at a con- on a conference room table, but I brought all my recording gear, so I have stuff everywhere, and like I'm shocked that any of it works, and I just it's been very... It's been a very disorganized day. I, I really like the imagination of you sitting at a very large conference table. Like, <laughs> there's, you know, you're like, you're about to fire us or something, you know? like. Do you yeah. need to pretend that this is a much, much more serious and fancier than it is? I mean, I'm wearing a suit. Are you not wearing a suit? Um, sure. Yes, <laughs> I am. Can I tell a very quick story about a conference room? Yes. So uh, last year I spent a bunch of time in New York, right? And a uh, friend of the show, Matthew Bischoff of Lickability, he, there was a day where I needed to, to get some work done. And he said that he would book a conference room at his co-working space for me. And I could just come and hang out and just get some work done there before I had to go catch my flight that evening. Because I was kicked out of my hotel. I had nowhere to go. So I arrive at the co-working space and like he shows me around and like takes me to the room and he takes me to this conference room where there were like, I'm not kidding, like 10 people in this room and they like had paperwork strewn all over the table. Like they were having a real serious meeting and, but it was like five or 10 minutes after the time that I had it booked. So Matt just like pokes his head in the door and it's like, we got this booked and all of these people, they're so mad because it's just me and they all get up and leave. And then I spend an like, 90 minutes in that room with my iPad on my own. And like and I just imagine them like they're like trying to find somewhere in this co-working space to continue their really important meeting. Like one of them walks by and just sees me on my own in this room, not even on the phone to anyone. And everyone knows you can't do real work on an iPad, so they figured you were just playing a game. Just playing or consuming a game. Just playing. consuming content. Yeah, that, that's it, you know. You know, I was as I, I've got another little story now. As I was swimming yesterday, I came to the realization that my LTE Apple Watch is like a content capture device. It's like a whole new different thing, right? Because I can't consume anything on it, but Mm-mm. like I, I bark, yeah. I attempt to 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 dictate reminders to it. Um, you know, we we have a a bit of a to and fro relationship, me and Siri on the Apple Watch, but I can get. About 50% of what I'm looking to record can be recorded into it. So, yeah, I was thinking, oh, it's like a, a content capture device. And now I'm an analyst, so. Mm, okay. Uh, do you still use the bare uh, microphone thing to save sometimes, notes and stuff? Sometimes. If, okay. I, if I'm saving ideas, then I'll use, like, bare, like, like, you know, I'll have an idea for something. But typically what happens is I'm like, oh, I should send an email to this person about this thing. So then I try and set a reminder. But, like, typically that just doesn't really work and i have to play a game later on where i have to try and guess what the words mean are you doing that while you're swimming uh well not like when i'm underwater but like i will stop <laughs> i will stop at a length and then and then do it 
uh, you know, like I'll, I'll stop by the side of the pool and dictate my reminder mm. and then go back to work. It's the life of a powerful media executive in the 21st century. (laughs) 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 Just just say, you're just telling your assistant to send all the invoices while just women in your golden pool. If you want to compare me to Don Draper, like that's totally fine. Because you remember he used to swim and stuff like that. So like, if you want to, like you don't have to. That was not our intention. You're proposing this idea. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, (laughs) like if people want to call me to Don Draper podcasting, then they can do that. But like, they don't have to feel like they have to. Uh, But you know, you can is all I'm saying. Do you smoke and drink a lot? I mean, if if that's what I need to do. You know there are people who see you talking to your watch, not realizing that it's an Apple Watch or that Siri's on the Apple Watch, be like, what is that guy doing? Oh, like, I've given up the fact that everybody at the gym thinks that I'm a madman. Yeah. Because, well, you, gotta like, quit, you gotta quit vlogging in there. People don't like that. <laughs> they, they really don't. They really don't. All right, follow up. We have a t-shirt for sale. Uh, it's We have one week left. It is the Tiny Head Tea. It's amazing. Thank you so much to everybody who has purchased a t-shirt so far. We have three amazing colors available from Cotton Bureau. Shipping worldwide um, and uh, Cotton Bureau have flat rate international shipping now. I think it's like $8 maximum to go international, which is fantastic. This is the only time this t-shirt is going to be available. So if you do want to claim a high five in person from Stephen Hackett, then you must be wearing this t-shirt whenever you see him. I will also, just to sweeten the pot, I will also add a high five um, into the mix. So if you see me, I will also high five you. Uh, you have Hang one on. week well, left to buy one of these stop, t-shirts. Stop, 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 We are often together at WWDC. We mm-hmm. need some sort of protocol. We're walking down the street. Someone approaches us wearing the shirt. Do we? Do I take one side, you take the other? It's like a yes. double high five What situation? do I do? <laughs> You could just like, I don't know, like run up in the middle and just give them a hug, you know? So like they get two high fives and then as their arms are up, you can get your arms around people. Don't do that. I don't think people would like that. That's a terrible idea. But I can wait wait in the background just bracing for the hug. Or or you can just be there just like smiling and nodding, you know, like in approval. You're like, Mm. yeah, you did it. Like like those those guys in, in the background of rap videos that just... They just stand there sure. in the background and nod. Okay. Yeah, you're like the producer of that high five or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you want all um, of that to happen to you, uh, it doesn't have to happen to you. If you don't want that to happen, you can still buy a t-shirt. Just don't raise your arms if you see just us. Don't wear it in San Jose. <laughs> Yeah, all that. Uh, but it's a great t-shirt. It's a wonderful design. Uh, it's only available for six more days as we record this. So if you're hearing this and the next episode isn't out, then you should buy one because otherwise it's your last chance. So go ahead and pick one up. It's a great t-shirt. I can't wait to get mine. Last week, we st- we spoke about the Stocks app that comes with iOS so you can see how bad the economy is doing at any given time on your mobile device. And Mike, you had suggested too, you know. on the watch. Uh, you mm. had suggested that maybe this redesigned version that showed up in a government article would support uh, cryptocurrencies, and turns out that it already does. I had no idea of this. You and shocking to nope. me that it's in there. Nope. Honestly, thanks to Philip for sending that in. Um, basically, I pontificated that it might be this because it was literally the only reason. I could think of as to why you might want to redesign the stocks app. Um, Now I can't think of what that possible reason would be. I don't know why you would need to redesign the stocks app specifically um, if it's like on its own. Like if you're doing an entirely new uh, like design thing, right? Like that's that's a really good way of putting the phrase redesign. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, then I would understand it. But if it's purely just the stocks app, like I can't work out why you would do it. So I guess we can all look forward to June. Something, uh, something else talking about Apple software and features that haven't been released yet but may be out there somewhere. AirPlay 2 has been banished from the most recent iOS and tvOS beta. So it was there for a while, and now it's gone again. Poor AirPlay 2. Oh, man. Do you think it's going to make 11.3? I don't know. I don't think so. It's not a a good sign. Um, I mean, if you compare that to messages in the cloud, which is still in the beta, even though Apple is still saying we are uh, evaluating the functionality, whatever. Uh, But this one is gone. So uh, it's not a good sign. Um, I actually was kind of liking the the ability uh, to stream to multiple devices and control from control center um so i wonder i mean do we expect um 11.4 even before wwdc because if that's not the case um i wonder if airplay 2 will be an ios 12 feature oh it's got a ship it's got a ship in 11 because of the home part like they have to ship it surely they they said later this year so later this year could be ios 12 that would be so bad. Can you That's tell me, <laughs> does, is the latency better with AirPlay 2? Oh, yes. Much, okay. much better. Uh, like, for AirPlay 1, you get, like, three to four second delay. Yep. And the way that AirPlay 2 works, uh, it uh, the buffering is has been enhanced. So it keeps in, basically, in the, in the audio buffer, it keeps more seconds. So, like, it's st- it, start, it starts right away, but then it starts kind of caching the audio so you can also skip around without delays and uh, you can do like you can cue songs uh you can walk around the house and it will not be a problem because it's it, it has already buffered uh the you know like a song so for example with our play one if you start playing a song and then you walk outside there's a good chance that the song will stop playing right but something like overcast there's no benefit until Marco puts AirPlay 2 support in, right? Yes. Is that true? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. It's a it's a it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work because you need to change you need to adopt an entirely new framework. Every time I just think that something's broken. Every single time I send a podcast to the AirPod, AirPod I just assume that something's broken because it just takes <laughs> such a long time. Never mind. Maybe one day. Um uh, something I saw just before we went on to record today, I thought it was kind of cool. Nest have added Google Assistant to their Nest Cam IQ indoor camera. So if you own one of the indoor Nest Cams, the IQs, uh, you can get via a software update Google Assistant features. And Nest is saying that it is the full functionality of a Google Home product. So you can give commands to it and stuff like that. I don't think it would be a good idea to necessarily try and play music from the camera. I mean, like it has a speaker in it, but I feel like that might not be a great experience for you. Uh, <laughs> but you could, you know, you could set and unset things, turn on lights, turn off lights. I like the idea of just, <laughs> as I'm saying this phrase, I can understand people like, this sounds like nails on a chalkboard. I like the idea of having microphones in more products. Um, you know, that's a... <laughs> Uh, because if if you if you are in on one of these systems, you know whether it's like the Echo or the Google Home, you want to be able to just give the commands wherever you are, right? I feel like everyone that I know that has gotten deep into this thing ends up with more than one Echo, for example, right? Because you kind of just want these devices to be wherever you are in the home. So yeah, I think 
that I think it was cool to have more of these types of functions, like in more and more devices. I think that's good. So yeah, do you, Stephen, do you have one of these? Uh, I don't. I have a couple of the the original Nest cams. You know, that were basically just a drop cam that they've re- rebranded. Um, I'm interested in checking one out though because it does a lot of stuff that's smarter than the than the original. Um, but what excites me about this story is, you know, there was a story last week, a couple of weeks ago, that Nest is being folded back into Google after being sort of spun out for a while. We're still within Alphabet, but not within Google. And I think this is like the first sign that hopefully we are now in a place where Nest hardware and software is going to get regular updates. It's like, I like my stuff, but for instance, I have the Nest security system and it is like completely unaware of my cameras unless the alarm goes off. So if the alarm gets tripped, then it turns all the cameras on. But if I disarm the security device, then the cameras don't turn off. Like there's no, like there's so many obvious things they could do with their ecosystem. And I'm hoping now that Google's back in charge of it, that we see more of this stuff that these devices get smarter and more capable. So this is cool. And like, it's, you know, it's clever if you have one of these cameras, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what's next out of uh, out of this company. For the last few days, Federico has been teasing me and Steven <laughs> that he has some surprise follow up. Um, yeah. Usually, yeah. this is this works out to to be typically bad for us. Like yes. something <laughs> something's going to happen, and like really? there's huh. you know, it's usually it's some kind of surprise that has like a ramification. Like for example, oh by the way, I'm using a beta version of Mac OS, or you know, like just mm. these things, right? You just throw these things at us, and it, and it has some kind of ramification. Uh, I'm very keen to know what this is, but I want to take a break first to build suspense. Um, today's show is brought to you by Ting a mobile phone service that wants to help you save money. Ting believes that you should only pay for what you use. Isn't that like just such a simple thing, but this isn't how phone service works. And with prices like $10 per gigabyte of data, the average Ting customer will pay just $23 a month per phone for their plan. If you're in the U.S. and you use a cell phone, you're going to love what the folk over at Ting can do for you. They don't believe in contracts, overage fees, or unlimited plans with tons of catches. They have top-rated, no-hold customer support. When you call Ting, you get through to a real person. They're focused on offering the best prices that they can for their customers, and any savings that they make, they'll pass on to you. 80% of devices made within the last two years can move to Ting, and they support both GSM and CDMA. And you can do that on the same plan as well. You can't get that with anybody else. Ting even allows you to get the latest iPhone as soon as they launch, along with Apple Care as well. So you can go you can get an iPhone 10 from Ting with Apple Care. They're an authorized seller of those devices. If you're stuck in a contract, Ting will offer you a 25% credit off your early termination fee as well. And that is up to $75 per device that you bring over to Ting. So, to get started, head over to connected.ting.com and use Ting's handy device checker to confirm that your phone can make the move. And if you're looking to upgrade, they have plenty of options available for you to get a new phone in their online store. Listeners of this show can get $25 off selected devices or keep that as Ting credit. Head to connected.ting.com to see how much you can save. Our thanks to Ting for their support of this show. All right, Tichi, you want to lay it on us? What have you done? All right, so you know how I have um, a HomePod in the kitchen, right? 
in the uh-huh. kitchen slash living room mm-hmm. space. Yeah. Uh, and you know that uh, for many reasons, I cannot record uh, podcasts in the, in the kitchen slash living room because oh, the dogs and because there's people, right? Um, yeah. So, of course, uh, I'm, I record podcasts like right now in my, in my bedroom, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to, to do this. Hey, Siri, make the desk light red. So I have a second HomePod. <laughs> oh, oh God. boy! Oh God! As soon as you said, as soon as you said, I have a HomePod in the kitchen. I knew where this was going. But like, okay, come on, carry on. You are probably actually. I'm not done. I'm not done. You're probably the only person in the world that's done this, right? The, I'm probably the only person in Italy, in Italy that has two HomePods. Probably in Europe. Um, like you, it's not even available in your country. <laughs> Poor John. That's who I no, feel sorry for in all the, of this. That's that's the thing. It's not coming from John. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> um, so I was liking the the HomePod so much. Um, I like actually using it a lot, uh, a lot more than I expected. Okay. And I I realized, you know. Um, I I do a lot of things around the house. I like listening to music when I do those things. And once I realized that the HomePod sounds great at like 50 to 70%, um, I was looking at the, at the Echo on my nightstand. And I was like, hmm, you know, buddy, maybe, maybe it's time for you to go. Um, and I, what also prompted me to sort of research this was the idea of, this product is getting better, um, in theory, in the future sometimes, um, with, you know, the stereo pair and that kind of stuff. And also I was surprised by the fact that, um, Sylvia didn't mind Siri so much. Um, and so I started looking on eBay, uh, eBay, you know, the, the Mm. Italian version. This is like how you got your echo. Uh, kinda, but uh, it got worse from a certain point of view. Um, so I, um, I started doing some some research on eBay. I was like, I wonder if there's any Italian that has got a HomePod and wants to sell the HomePod. But I want a white one because it goes well with my white nightstand. Um, and so I started looking, and I found this person with a white HomePod. In theory, imported from the United States. Um, there were other Italians that were selling black HomePods uh, or there were some HomePods from the United Kingdom, others from Germany, which I didn't really trust. I wanted somebody in Italy uh, so that I wouldn't incur again in custom, you know, in taxis and that kind of stuff. So I found this person and I is from Northern Italy. Uh, and I'm t- so I sent him a message. I was like, uh, "Is this like is this legit?" Which I realize it's if you're if you're it's talking worst, to like the worst you're question talking to, send, to a scammer because the only scammer, answer is yes, isn't it? <laughs> of course, <Right>? it's legit. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, you got me. It's like <laughs> well, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> you ask, so, you you know you know the smuggler's code. If you're asked, then you must. You so, must I'm talk- so I'm talking. I'm talking to this person, and um, 
And I'm like, so I have, where does his HomePod? So I tried to be clever uh, because I was, I was like, uh, is the box damaged uh, because of the transportation from the United States to the to to Italy? It's like, no, no, the 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 home, the, the box is all fine. It's all sealed. Uh, it's new. It's it's new coming from the United States, and it can be with you in two days if you use DHL uh, Express. It's like, okay. So I'm looking at this auction on eBay, and there's a picture of the serial uh, code for a serial number of the device. But uh, I need to zoom into the serial code, and I cannot, I cannot understand some of the letters and the numbers. So I'm looking on Apple's website, and I'm trying to guess what the serial number is to see if it's, if it's a real product or not. Uh, it feels but like I cannot a flawed get thing to do, because you end up just plugging in a random serial number. But it's not working. Uh, so what I do is, because I've heard on the news, you know, um, you know, people, especially lately in Italy, I don't know what's going on, but a lot of people are like being scammed on eBay and these similar uh, websites to buy and sell stuff from other people, individuals. Uh, so I'm doing some research on the guy, and like I spent an entire afternoon uh, looking at this person's life. I I discovered oh that he's also selling his parents' apartment. Um, hmm. Did you buy <laughs> I, that too? I, no, I I <laughs> okay. found where he lives. I found where he works, which probably the guy wants to have some privacy, you know. So um, he should look into that. Uh, but he you seems send like him a, a friendly note later on. Maybe put it in his eBay feedback. <laughs> he seemed like like a like a real person with a real job at a at a tech related kind of position, and also an Apple fan. Uh, he was on Twitter, like asking developers to update their apps for iPhone ten support and that type of stuff. Like, you know, he's fighting the good fight, you know. Yeah, you're my kind of guy. You're my kind of guy. I trust you. I will. T- <laughs> <laughs> So, so I so I get the HomePod and uh-huh. uh, it arrived two days ago. Uh, it was really really hard for me to keep it a secret, a secret from you two and John. Um, I really wanted to take a picture picture and send it on iMessage, uh, but as soon as it arrived, so of course I, I made all my pre- my preparations. I had like a like a ceremony for the Echo, which is now gone. Mm. Um, I bought from Amazon a second US adapter. And I take the HomePod out of the box and I plug it in and it doesn't work. Oh. Uh, so I was like, oh my God, what have I done here? I just wasted money. And said, was it like, one oh. of those things where it was actually just a big slab of meat? Is it like one of those? I was picking up the HomePod and was like rotating the HomePod in my hands. And I'm like, what, what did I just buy? It's so, so like, like, a, like a, just, a, just a stereo with bricks inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, after wasting like a solid 20 minutes panicking that I just sent some guy on eBay money for a HomePod that was broken, I realized that for some reason, after uh, I, I needed to touch the top surface to activate the, the HomePod, it was not responding to, um, to Siri commands. It was not bringing up the prompt request to do the setup on, on iOS. Uh, I just needed to touch the surface once and then it, everything was fixed. Oh. So uh, anyway, it's a it's it's perfectly fine. It works. And yesterday, in fact, I wanted to send you uh, a screenshot from the eleven point three beta two that had the option to create a stereo pair, 
which is now gone from the beta three, but I couldn't because I needed to keep my surprise. Because, yeah. How how would we, how would you even have that option? Exactly. I, I have I have I have a question. I just have a, a simple question for you, and I'm not I'm not trying to judge you or anything about your purchase. Yes. But like, why though? Like I I I don't I don't fully understand. I don't feel like I fully understand why you feel right now. Mm-hmm. That like a second HomePod is what you need, like when you always have an iOS device from you. And I'm not like right. saying that you've right. made a bad yeah, yeah. decision. Like I just, I have one of these things in my house, right? And I don't feel like I need another one of them. Yeah. So um, there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, the first one is listening to podcasts. Okay. Um, when I when I do stuff around the house, especially in the morning, whether I'm like um, doing chores around the house or playing with the dogs. And are you doing multi-room there? Then is that what what you like? Uh, you it doesn't it doesn't w- work yet. But during okay. the day, I tend to let's say hang out between the hallway and my bedroom, and it's easier for me to, and it's better for me to listen to a podcast on the HomePod on my nightstand than from the one in the kitchen. Okay. So, uh, l- like, I don't have to put the one in the kitchen at a hundred percent, so I can so I can hear the voices of people. I can just listen to the one in the bedroom, and also at night. Um, like after work, uh, before we go to sleep, uh, Sylvia and I, we like to just lie in bed and listen to music. Uh, we have a playlist that we listen to, uh, like, a, like a shared family playlist. And while it, uh, we used to listen on my iPhone or on the iPad, um, even at 20% at night when everything's quiet and uh, you know external noise and sounds are not a concern, it sounds really, really good on the HomePod. And I wanted to have that kind of experience on the on my nightstand, essentially. I wanted to have uh, you know 20% volume music coming mm-hmm. out of the HomePod to relax at night. And I realized that it totally does not justify this kind of purchase, but with you know the, those couple of reasons for the immediate uh, if you will, curiosity of a need maybe to have a second HomePod with the prospect of this thing is going to have stereo pair, it's going to do multi-room audio in the future. I was like, you know, I don't want to wait for Apple to to make up their mind and get a second HomePod um, and, get a, and get a second HomePod when it launches in Italy. I want to get one right now. And also there was the idea of maybe, you know, not a lot of people have a, have a second HomePod and maybe when the features uh, for multi-room and serial pair, they become available, I can be one of the few people that can write about it. So you must have been really sad then when <laughs> when it got removed from eleven three. Well, yes, yes, uh, but it was not it was not working anyway. You only had the option to create the um, the serial pair, but it right, was not but like actually it working. getting removed completely means it's less likely that it will be there at all, right? Like you know, yeah, it's not a good sign. And also, I should mention that. Um, Again, the uncertainty of not knowing when Italy will get the will get the HomePod, and it could be tomorrow, it could be you know, in two months, which it, I mean it's possible. But we are, we are planning on moving um, soon enough uh, in the near future, and uh, I want to move to a bigger place. So uh, having two HomePods, ideally, even if I have like a, like a personal office space, just like a room for me. Uh, that'll be all set because I will already have a second HomePod just for me. You you mentioned something uh, about the HomePod that I meant to talk about last week, but uh, it's it's bothered me and my family more. Um, If you 
If the HomePod is just sitting there and you just touch the top of it, it will start playing the music that it was playing last, even if it was like 24 hours ago. And it, at least what our HomePod is right now in the kitchen, it's actually kind of easy to touch the top of it because it's like there's other stuff on the counter around it. And like all you got to do is brush the thing and it starts playing. I would like to see that be an option or that I could just turn that off because it's, uh, it has surprised several of us several times over the last week or so that you just touch the thing and, oh, yeah, I was listening to that yesterday, and all of a sudden it's blaring again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, one of my dogs, uh, she put her nose on the HomePod, and really loud music started playing, and she ran away uh, scared. She learned uh, a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch it. It's a good lesson. Wouldn't it be great if everything she touched could just have music come out of it? <laughs> it's a personal dog DJ. That's yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. So anyway, uh, two HomePods. Um, as you can imagine, um, the multi-room stuff totally does not work. The control center UI is still super weird. And the more you add to that list of output devices, the longer it becomes and the more awkward it uh, seems. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's okay, but I imagine adding another one would make it not so okay. Yeah, yeah. And the the white HomePod is totally a dust magnet. So um, it's uh, it. You need to you need to keep the thing clean every day uh, because you you can tell the differences between the space gray one and the white one, especially if you have dogs. You know they're messy. So uh, I need to have I need to clean my HomePod on a on a daily basis because it's white. But it looks it looks fantastic. I think it looks really nice. You um, can take great pleasure in in like how people clean their like their soccer trophies or whatever. You know, that's you, but with the HomePod. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to thank the guy from eBay. I sent a uh, really positive uh, feedback comment. Um, it was really, it was really kind. I could tell that it was an Apple, you know, an Apple person. He was like, "Enjoy your HomePod. I really like mine." He's like, "Yeah." Did yeah, you give him uh, some notes about his operational security? <laughs> no, no, okay. I, I did not. Um, I think the problem is that in his kindness, he sent me his phone number, and then from there it just snowballed because I could, I was able to find everything about him. So, I'm, oh um, I'm changing my phone number, and I will not give you the new one. <laughs> so yeah, that was my surprise. Did I? Is this concerning? Like you said, that my surprise is always cause some kind of damage. Or preoccupation for you? It, this doesn't necessarily affect me personally, mm-hmm. but I am a little concerned for you, I think. <laughs> Why, though? Why? <laughs> because two HomePods is a lot of HomePods. That's like uh, two more HomePods than most people need. And also, I, I there was a segment on, I think it was last week's ATP, that I quite liked about... Um, not buying uh, hardware for the promise of future software. Mm-hmm. Or something sure. like that, right? And like you just like mentioned the one thing. It's like, oh, well, you know, like I bought these now and like um, it's going to get better later. But at the same time, they are, they are continuing to delay the software features that are the only ones mm. we know about, right? So it's like, ah, what if it just never gets there? What if AirPlay 2 just never, ever happens? Like we don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is. But you know, if it's working for you as it is right now, then great. But like you know, that's the reason that I wouldn't buy a second one. I, I don't think I ever. I can't. You no, know, never say never. But like, 
I don't, I don't imagine in the the near to mid term future that I would be replacing my Amazon Echoes for like the mm-hmm. HomePod to me is just a smart audio mm-hmm. de- like music. It's a smart music device is what I'm trying to say, right? Like it could do something that I've really struggled with for uh, using the Echo. Like I wanted to listen to the band that I love called The Wild Reads, which Federico uh, introduced yes. me to. And I can never remember the name of their album. So I asked uh, the HomePod to play me the most recent album, and it did it. And this is something that I really struggled with um, on the Echo. Like any any album which is the name of one of the songs, the Echo just can't deal with. Like it, it, I, I, there's a the, King, the most recent Kings of Leon album just would never it would never play the album. It would just only ever play the song by the name, and. I would ask it, like, play the most recent. This was a while ago, and, and it just wouldn't work. So, you know, it does a good job of, like, smartly understanding what I want from a music perspective, and it can tell my lights on and off, but it doesn't have IFTTT support, which is something that I use every single day with my with my Echo and, yeah, stuff like that. So, well, anywho, but, yeah, it's, if it's working for you, man, more power to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I should mention that also with Homebridge, uh I can have IFTTT support, and it's super yeah. nice. because I, I need to uh, listen. I'm assuming you spoke about all of this on Canvas, right? There's an episode of Canvas. Nah, not no? yet, because it's it's okay. tricky to talk about you know Linux, and that oh, kind God. of stuff on a podcast. Because at some point, I want, it, I want you to explain this Homebridge thing to me, but I, I assume I you're going to write about, about it. it. Yes, yeah, because it's easier to show what you're actually doing. But basically, okay. uh, like uh, I wanted to mention another thing, that uh, because this speaker, on my nightstand uh, without having to shout you know commands to the living room I can just for example change channels on my TV uh, with Siri uh, or uh, Mm. you know switch inputs for example uh, because I have a bunch of recipes uh, on IFTTT that mm, hook up to the Logitech Harmony uh, account and basically with Homebridge I can create um, buttons and switches for Siri to activate those uh, Logitech Harmony recipes, which is okay. super, super cool. I yeah. want you to write about this so I can read about it and then we can talk about it because I'm kind of fascinated okay. by the yeah. screenshots that you keep sharing of this thing. Yeah, yeah, I will. You, you also have some DuckDuckGo related follow-up from a few weeks okay. ago. Yeah, uh, so this is quite simple. Um, I realize that... I'm using, uh, I was missing the, more than I expected, the ability to look for real-time content, let's say news, and local search results on Google. And DuckDuckGo totally fails at that. Uh, I tried to use it, as I mentioned, for everything, all of my devices, even my MacBook. Um, But I was finding myself constantly typing the Google shortcut to redirect a DuckDuckGo search to Google because I couldn't find the news that I wanted to find, like results for the last 24 hours, for example, or just any kind of search result in Italian. Like, DuckDuckGo seems to do pretty well in the United States, and if I were an American uh, person, I would probably... Uh, use DuckDuckGo uh, because it, the English search results seem pretty comparable to Google, honestly. But 
as much as I like to pretend that I'm that I'm a, an American living in Italy, uh, <laughs> I actually I I actually do use Google search a lot in Italian, uh, and also I use Google to find news uh, in both languages. But uh, it's another feature that DuckDuckGo does not do well at. Uh, so I needed to switch back to Google because it didn't make sense to just keep entering the the shortcut to switch back to Google search. I'm just gonna switch back to Google all the time, and it's something that I was not expecting. Um, because I, I don't think uh, this is totally totally like a weird thing to say, but I don't think of myself as someone who uses a computer in Italian. Um, all of my devices are set to U.S. English. I of course I write in English. I talk in English. Uh, I did not expect to look for Italian stuff. So it's probably something that I block out in my brain mm-hmm. and that I do just instinctively. But it turns out that like I was typing stuff in DuckDuckGo in Italian and it was it was not working. I was like, huh. So I guess I do use, I do type things in Italian sometimes. Uh, and yeah, uh, that's the reason why I need to use Google again. Because Google is actually pretty awesome at uh, understanding whether you want English content or Italian content. And also news, like filtering by the last X hours or week or days. Um, so yeah, that's the reason why I'm, I need to use Google again. I don't like it, but I have to, because otherwise it's just a waste of time if I keep entering the Google bang, whatever it's called, in DuckDuckGo. Yeah, because I know what you're doing. It's just Google searching. Yeah. You're back to square one again. It's taking you longer to do it, perform any search. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I I still don't like it. It's got problems, but mm, yeah, it's what it is. So um, as Stephen points out on iMessage, um, I need to stand. Uh, because I need to close my rings. So if you want, Mike, you can you can thank our friends at Pingdom, and we'll move on to the next topic. And wow, I will stand. That's professional. Today, today's show is brought to you by Pingdom. Uh, you're more familiar with Pingdom than you might think, because they are helping to keep your favorite sites online. Squarespace, BuzzFeed, Netflix, Imgur, 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 Imgur. However you say it, if you've used any of those sites recently and not run into any trouble, you may have Pingdom to thank for that. Websites are really sophisticated now, and they have so many different moving parts. You've got contact forms and e-commerce checkouts and logins and search functions and so many more. Pingdom can check the availability of all of these functions and so many more. Pingdom isn't just about getting a message about if your site is up or down. They take care of the important interactions that everybody has on your website, and they'll let you know if something's not working. You just give Pingdom the URL that you want to monitor, and they'll take care of the rest. They make sure that your website is up, and if something's wrong, they'll let you know. And I, we have it. We have it set. We have loads of great options with Pingdom. You can see if, like... You can have uh, email and push notification and text message. If something goes wrong, you'll be told. You don't want to find out that your website is down because somebody sends you a tweet. You want to just know. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get a massive 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and RelayFM. So I stood, I gained my hour, and I'm back. Well, I'm very happy to hear that, Federico. This is a very, this is actually a very Federico heavy episode today, <laughs> because yeah, we are bringing back the the much applauded segment, Teachy Teachers, because today you're going to teach us all about automation 
in Things 3.4, which came out today as we record. All right. So yes. what is this? Has Things finally embraced a web API? Is that what I'm getting? No, oh. it's not what it is. I'm oh. sorry. Uh, okay. That's not. This is a plain old-fashioned URL scheme uh, for communicating with other apps and workflows and launchers and stuff like that. Uh, it's no web API. Uh, and it's uh, it doesn't include improvements to mail to things either. It's just a way to automate locally on your device between apps. Um, but I think it's I think it's done it's been really done well um, uh, primarily because of the documentation that is on the web, and even I think even if you're not uh, really proficient in in URL schemes and stuff like that, um, you can read through the docs, and they the documentation makes sense. is written really well, and w- there's an idea that I really like, which is called the link builder. It's this uh, interface on the web on the cultured code website that allows you to enter text in different fields of the supported commands for things. And in real time, as you type, you will see how the the URL scheme changes. So it's a way to sort of combine like a basic GUI with um, with URL schemes and see how what you enter gets encoded, for example, or the way that you're supposed to um, format data uh, if you want to send, uh, you know, like a task to things or if you want to create a project in things. So that's that's really done. That's really helpful for um, for users who you know never played with this stuff before. So uh, my first recommendation would be go check out the documentation and play around with uh, with a link builder and see what it looks like. Um, that said, um, of course, I've been using things. I think we talked about this in December. Uh, Mike was really surprised by my decision. A bunch of other people were. Um, I'm still using things. I, it feels great. And with the automation, um, it's now possible to... Uh, do things that were were not supported at all before. Things used to offer a URL scheme for automation, but it was really basic. Now it's maybe not as powerful as the one from OmniFocus. It doesn't have a few options that OmniFocus has, namely attachments. You can still not include file attachments in things, but I think it's been presented more clearly and there's a few unique design choices in things that are also supported with automation that make me prefer this to OmniFocus automation. I mean, besides the whole, you know, things is a completely different app from OmniFocus. Um, so in my examples that I covered today, there's a few things that I want to call out. You can now create tasks in the app, of course, uh, but you can also launch any view uh, in things from something like Launch Center Pro or Launcher or Workflow, whatever, um, you can open the today list, the upcoming list, or you can open a project. You can launch a tag view, which is not as uh, easy to get to if you're using the Things app. You want to see what are, are my tasks that have been tagged with writing, for example. Um, it's not so easy in the app because you need to search for the tag and then open the tag view. Uh, if you just create a launch you can tap a button in your today widget and you will and the 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 link will take you there in things in just a second um, also 
what I use all the time now is the ability to open a view and also automatically filter the view by one of the tags that I have. Um, so, for example, if I want to see um, today the things I'm supposed to edit, because I'm editing a bunch of articles from John and Ryan, for example, um, I can create a launcher that it's called that is called today editing and it takes me to the today screen and automatically filters the screen to show me editing right. tasks uh, so that's really And then convenient. you're using something like launcher 5 I use launch I use I think it's called launcher pro uh, yeah, Pro. Launcher Pro. Yeah, that's what okay. I use. Uh, and I use it um, because it, it lets me um, resize. This is totally like a minor reason to use it, but it lets me resize the icons in the widget and mm-hmm. still keep a text label underneath them, even if it gets truncated with an, with an ellipsis. But yeah, that's why I use it. Um, also, you can, as I mentioned, you can create you can create tasks. And in my story, there's two examples for workflow. One of them is an extension that you can run from Safari uh, to turn a web page into a task in things. Um, And this is a good example, I think, because it shows you how you can attach different pieces of metadata to a new item in things. Uh, Besides the title and a date, which you can type in natural language in workflow, and then reformatting the proper, uh, uh, what's that, ISO 8 something, uh, mm-hmm. the proper format for things. Um, you can do it from, from workflow. But See, you that's can also- interesting to me because that was one of the things that frustrated me about things is that there wasn't natural language entry for dates mm-hmm. and times, but mm-hmm. now you can kind of make it yourself. You, you can either make it yourself, or I think they have extended the support for natural language in things itself. So oh. in theory, you should also be able to type something like uh, today at 3 p.m., and it'll work uh, from the URL scheme. Like if you put together an action um, without having in drafts, for example, without having oh, to do okay. any additional any additional coding. Yeah, on your I end. mean just in the app itself, right? Like yeah, in things yeah. itself, you can't like start a new to do and be like, you know, call Federico at three p.m. It's not. Yeah, do that. there there's a way, but you need to press a bunch of buttons, which really defeats the purpose because you want to be able to just type. Yeah, because um, natural natural language is is it's about sp- it's about speed. It's yeah. like if I'm going to press a bunch of buttons and I'll just set the yeah. time, right? Like yeah. I'll just do it. Yeah. Um, so you, you, can, you can make your own natural language from workflow. And also you can, you can say, uh, put this in this project and attach this tag. Um, and what I like, uh, which is one of the features that, uh, that Things offers, but to my knowledge, no other uh, task manager that I've tried has this feature. You can specify the new task to be added under a specific heading of a project. So if you think of our projects in things like documents with sections, um, which is a feature that I use all the time. So for example, my Mac Stories project has different sections for research, writing, uh, and publishing. Um, yeah, see, that's so this- nice. That's really nice. It's really nice because visually... Because otherwise they become five different projects rather than one project, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that that even visually, when you when you open the app, you can you know you can break up the the project by type, so you can say I want to I want to take a look at what I'm supposed to write. So anyway, you can you can pass that information from the URL scheme. You can say when you create this task, automatically put it under the writing oh, section. Oh god, it sounds um, so good. Because like I have um, show prep. That's one of my most used uh, projects in in Todoist, but it's all just a big jumble of every show, right? Which mm-hmm. is many for me, and I would love to be able to have it all like has connected, has its own little heading. Because sometimes it's like it's not just prepare for connected. There might be like watch this video or read this article, and they get saved as like additional things, and then I have to write. Like in the heading, like in the actual task itself, which show it's like it's just a mess. It can get a bit messy. That sounds very nice. As well as this feature that I just found out about today that you can put a checklist in the notes of a task, which is like, oh my God, like. So uh, (laughs) that's my second workflow is mm -hmm. a way to automate the process of creating a task that contains a checklist. Um, So this is one of the other um, features of things that a task can have a title and a date. It can have a note, which can be text or links, no attachments, but it can also have have separate from the note uh, but not showed by default you need to open it you need to expand the task if you want to see it you can have a checklist of multiple items so you you know um, this can be useful in a bunch of ways whether you need to pack something because you're leaving or a grocery list or something else uh, shop rep for example Mike uh, you can create checklists and this is also available via automation you just need to pass a list of uh, sentences a list of text lines to the URL scheme and it'll work. Um, Finally, um, I showed the integration with MindNode, which doesn't really work for me because I you need to you need to create a mind map in MindNode and make individual nodes like tasks in MindNode, which I really don't do. Also, I don't use MindNode because it's not as customizable as I like it to be. So hopefully iThoughts, which is the mind map uh, app that I prefer, will consider this integration going forward. But the bigger topic is that the, the culture code, they created this system for iOS developers to send data to things in bulk, uh, like dozens of tasks or entire projects using this uh, JSON um, format. And they made it easier for them, not just by supporting JSON, uh, but through this uh, Swift open source library. that It's like a Swift file that you can download and, and put in your app, and it simplifies the process of sending data to, to things. This is what MindNode uses, and this is what Drafts 5, which is the beta version that I sort of teased in the article, um, will use. Uh, it's a system to uh, sort of remove the complexity of, you know, whether it's the developer or the user, um, encoding things manually with the URL scheme, um, you you can abstract all of the complexity and use this native integration that allows you to do things like turn an entire mind map into a project that contains headings that contain ta- uh, tasks. Or in drafts five, uh, you can like write. A couple of lines of JavaScript uh, with a with a custom things module to. Uh, do the same 
And so I teased in the article this uh, custom interface that I'm building in drafts. It's like a custom prompt UI that's got like checkboxes and a date picker and a toggle on and off um, to send um, lines of text to things. And I don't know if I'm going to use this, but it's just like it's a proof of concept uh, to show to show both drafts five and the kind of this deeper integration that that culture code would like to have with some third party apps, which is pretty, pretty neat. As you're talking. I got my Pano book here, which is a notebook that I like, and I'm sitting down and I'm writing out, like, what do I need if I want to move <laughs> to things? Uh, and I think I you think, should play uh, with it. Uh, well, okay, so I have, right? I have played with it, and there were things that I, were un- I was unhappy with, but they are now solving those problems with this automation stuff. So, like, for example natural language entry but i could just build that on my own like i was thinking i could set up a workflow which i linked to from the home screen which sits next to things on my home screen as my entry workflow and it's quicker than opening up the app and it's also focused so i'm not going to get distracted with other tasks and stuff like that Hmm. or you know you could wait for drafts five make a simple make a make a simple action could you be even quicker tell you even more you can just type a line of text and press a keyboard shortcut and run the action and you'll be in things um yeah uh, i do have I, I have also been playing around with drafts over the last day and uh it's very nice it's very nice when is draft five roughly is that soon we I don't, don't we if... don't know we don't know okay. when it's ready when it's ready is the official <laughs> communication <laughs> from greg okay. uh yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty awesome. Um, I don't know JavaScript well enough, but um, it's a simple language to understand. It's readable, and the implementation of JavaScript in Drafts Five is really intuitive and and uh, much more accessible. I think that something like Omni Automation, for example, which sounds uh, and seems totally powerful and crazy, you know, insanely customizable, but I think the Omni Automation stuff it veers towards uh, the objective C type of programming style that I don't think is as intuitive as uh, what Greg is doing with uh, pure and simple JavaScript in drafts, which is, you know, for someone like me, I'm a newcomer to this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's more intuitive than what Omni is doing. I mean, if, you know, if you're a programmer and you know JavaScript well enough, the Omni automation um, s- set of, um, you know, APIs seems to be much, much more versatile and flexible. Uh, but for someone like me, you know, I just want to make a, an action from drafts to things. Uh, that totally, totally works. Tell me, is uh, the ability to add repeating tasks exposed in this URL scheme? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> of course it's not, because they don't care about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what so I asked. Stephen, t- Stephen, have you have you figured out why you don't like repeating yes. tasks? Yes, I things? have. Okay. Um, so in most other apps, OmniFocus, Todoist, I spent like a year in to do with the digit, the one you wrote the book about. Um, most of those apps, you set a due date, and the repeating, if you want to repeat it, is just like another step in the workflow. So I want it due on Tuesday, but actually if I check this little box, it is due every Tuesday. Repeating tasks are like a superset on regular tasks. In Things 3, 
and I have it open. I actually, while you were talking, imported. They have an import from Todoist, so I imported all forty-two Todoist products I have into. Oh my god, they have an import from Todoist. Well, here's the thing: it breaks yeah, all your repeating do. tasks because they don't care oh, about no. repeating tasks. Oh. Of course. Now you see. Come on, you spent so much time creating this thing. Just repeat so the task. Th- here's here's the fund my fundamental problem with things. About 70% of the tasks in Todoist are repeating because when you own a business and you put content out every week, you have a lot of repeating tasks. And the way things goes about it, you can convert a regular task to a repeating task. But the due date you've set has no bearing on the repeating schedule. So if I say, uh, for instance, edit and, pub- edit and publish connected, I have that go off every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. In things, I can set that up, but I have to set the reminders up separately. And if I set a do on Wednesday and then I go to tell it repeating weekly, it defaults to Sunday. Why would I want it to do that? I already told you it's due on Wednesday. I want it to repeat on Wednesday. It's just a lot of extra work. But like, if you change it to Wednesday, it will then repeat every Wednesday. But right, you have to right. like specifically it, it doesn't say inherit that from Wednesdays. the regular task you started with. Yeah, where every other app mm-hmm. basically does. So the repeating tasks for me are why I can't use things because it's so clunky to do. Uh, the other thing that it more confuses me about things than anything else, and I've read the support page and I actually have like created like test projects, like try to understand how it works. But if you set a due date and that due date it slips into the past, then it just is due today. There's no way to see how far yes. overdue it is unless you don't set a due date but set a deadline. I don't know the difference between those two things. Their support documentation doesn't explain the difference between those two things. Mm. Why are there two things? Like, Okay, so uh, the way I think about it is um, like semantically – uh, in my brain, it works like this. The due date is, ideally, you should be getting this done by mm-hmm. Wednesday. But if you don't, it's fine. You can do it later. The deadline is, you must get this done by Wednesday. And in fact, even visually in the UI, if a due date gets moves in the past, it just rolls over right. to today. But the deadline... Uh, the task says two days left or one day left, uh, but then if it if it you know if it, if you don't get it done, it says um, one day behind, two days behind, something like that, and it keeps the red yeah. badge. So it tells you this so, was supposed to be done two days ago. I feel like if you have like that's a cool feature to have, but I, I the way that I would look at this is due dates and deadlines should be set automatically unless you change them so like if you say something's due wednesday it should default the deadline date for you as wednesday unless you change or have it. that be it or have that be the, an option to enable the app to do that you know for me yeah yeah and again like the, all this stuff is so subjective right it's about how i work versus how you work but for me at least that like i understand the words that are coming out of your mouth but like i can't i can't think about work that way like because because it sounds okay. like they're treating due dates like start exactly. dates. And they actually call them, in some of their support documentation, they call them start dates. Although that's nowhere in the UI of the app. It's like, what are you doing? Things like, pull it together. Yeah, that's not right. So, that doesn't um, seem right. I know that, it, that it, it's very different. but And I know that it probably sounds like a bunch of hippie kind of talk that does not make sense for an actual product. <laughs> but the idea is that... The idea is that 
and I mean, it's subjective, as you say, but uh, the task manager shouldn't cause you stress. Yes. And you, like the idea of the due date, the um, it just becomes today instead of being by default like colored in red or like telling you this is overdue. Yeah. I think no, that I is, get that. That I is a that. choice. But if that, I, I feel like if you're making an opinion like that, you should have an option. Otherwise, because yeah. like, if that's your opinion, then there shouldn't be the ability to even have badges, mm-hmm. right? Which they do have. You know, like if, mm-hmm. if it's like, oh, I don't want to alert you. Like I get that. Like it's a nice way I to agree. think about it. Should, it. it should be a but setting. Like, it should be. A they setting. haven't gone yeah. the whole way with that ideology. They've only gone part of the way, and by going that part of the way, they alienate yeah. some people. So, like, I, I think that it is a nice idea. Like the way that you described what you're you, this when you initially moved is like why I even ever considered it because it was nice to think of it as like just a more chill environment, but. Mm-hmm. In doing that, they do take away some functionality that that would be nice to be able to kind of globally change, especially when they actually have the underpinnings of the regular system. Like it's there that they're just calling yeah. things different to what, like you know what they're calling due dates and deadlines, start dates and due dates, yeah. but they're just not calling them that. But that's how they function in like in every other application and in every other system. So like I feel like if it changed the name. Or change the function, or give me some mm-hmm. options, and I, you know, and I feel like you know, oh, you don't want to add up. Like I get the idea of options, but like they've literally just created a URL scheme, right? Like Culture mm-hmm. Code are clearly not averse to going into the nitty gritty, right? Like so, yeah, you know, maybe some additional options would be a nice thing to have when you've gone and done something that is very impressive, but like is the most nitty of gritty that you can get is to create a custom URL scheme, right? So, uh, yeah, you know. I think an idea that could be maybe explored, n- maybe not by culture code, but, but by developers in general, is um, how, like, what kind of... I'm, I'm thinking of the something like the, the carrot personality slider, but applied to, like, stress. Like, how much do you want to feel... I don't want to say guilty, but... Like when you open your task manager, uh, what kind of level of reminding you to do things do you want to see? Do you want the calm environment or do you want something in between? Or do you want to have like the emergency mode where if you don't get things done, everything explodes? And that could be like a fun way to tackle this problem of depending on this, the, the level of, you know, the mental state or the anxiety level or whatever it is of the person, um, the, the app should adapt and should be controllable by the user to say exactly how you can say in Carrot, for example, I want the, the AI to be snark or I want the UI to be somewhere in between or neutral. Um, it could be fun to have that kind of mindset, yeah. but applied to productivity apps because like maybe I want a- it on my back, or I I want to just like come to it when I'm when I'm good. Yeah, because there's maybe times of the year when you're like, come on, just just don't bother me. Uh, it's you know it's a difficult time right now, or I need to be in hyper focus mode. Uh, you need to tell me every single detail of every single due date. Um, so that I mean, could be interesting. this is a, this is a job for machine learning, right? Like this is what <laughs> it should be doing, like <laughs> yeah. understanding me and yeah. tailoring the experience to me. Like that's what I. That's what I want. I mean, I feel like that different people have different 
feelings about what they want their machine learning to do, but I want my machine learning to learn about me and then tailor my experience. So like in that idea, right, like that maybe my task manager is like super chill on Fridays. Like it's like we're good. Like we're just going to relax or like over the weekends if I have a due date on a, on an item, like we don't really need to worry about that too much because I've got the whole day if I want to work on it, right? Or like if I have 20 items due on Tuesday and only three items due on Thursday, maybe you should be a little bit more on my back on Tuesday than Thursday, right? It's like like stuff like that would be great, especially Mm -hmm. when a task manager or a calendar is so full of data. Like I am like entering a wealth of data into these systems there is so much to potentially learn about someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what I hope and, would be the future of these systems. Yeah. And speaking of like contextual type of stuff, I still don't understand how uh, there's still not like an API or something or even like, even like a system feature that if I'm driving or if I'm doing a workout, don't bother me. Don't send me notifications. They're useless. Uh, like, uh, well, isn't like that a, do not disturb while driving? Isn't, isn't that uh, what it is? <laughs> the, well, it should be maybe, you know, maybe in the report, uh, you know, Mark Gurman said like a more, uh, what, what's that? More customizable something. Do not disturb. Mm-hmm. Uh, deeper. Do not disturb. Maybe that's what it is. Like a way to understand what the user is doing and like, look at my calendar. Look at my, uh, am I driving? Am I running am i doing a workout and adjust the notifications and, and you know that type of stuff accordingly uh, i'm surprised that it's still not an option like at a system level just while you mentioned that government thing we'll move on from this I, I, you know in that article last week it mentioned like better navigation for an emoji mm-hmm. i think that means a standalone an emoji app uh i mean I can tell you that I've been using the Animoji Studio app yeah. by Mr. Rambo on my... It's so fancy every time I say Mr. Rambo, Mr. Rambo. on my iPhone. Uh, and it, it's fantastic. It's the way that it should be but from Apple. It's just they are using this more and more and more in their marketing that I just think at this point... it's At this point, the only reason you would not have a standalone Animoji app is if you were looking to make it an iOS 12 feature. Mm-hmm. Is that that's the only thing that logically makes any sense to me? Because clearly, Apple are throwing a lot of their development and marketing behind this thing. Yeah, then it's you know yeah. do more with it. And I, th- I, I think, think it's a moved. App. Uh, it's moved way uh, past iMessage. I think. Yeah. Uh, Even like if it's just an... clips. Yeah, exactly. Right? It would be perfect for clips. clips. No. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much for making me write out this list of th- stuff that might make me try out things again. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Use the offer code WORLD at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace to let you easily create a website for your next idea with the ability to grab a unique domain name, take advantage of incredibly customizable, beautiful, and award winning templates, and so much more. They are the only one platform that will let you put your thing online, no matter what it is, whether it's just some ideas. You know, you have a blog that you want to share with the world. You have thoughts that you want to share. Maybe you're a photographer and you want to share the photos that you take in a lovely portfolio or albums or galleries. Maybe you make enamel pins and you want an online store to sell them. It doesn't matter what it is you're wanting to put on the internet. Squarespace has the tools and services that you need, including 24-7 customer support in case you need any help or assistance. That's 
Customer support, by the way, is really great for if you have someone that you know that needs a website. So like instead of you needing to support it, Squarespace can support it. So you could be like, oh, yeah, there's a great system for you to use. Go to squarespace.com, sign up for a trial and use the offer code world and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Just take that exact sentence and just say it to everybody that you know. It would be great. Squarespace gives you everything that you need. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. They've got you covered. Their plans start at just $12 a month. You can get a trial with no credit card required at squarespace.com and use the offer code WORLD when you sign up to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for Connected. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of this show and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So back to Federico. Okay. Uh, last week, you wrote um, an article called New Apps for 2018, which is a bit of a traditional uh, post for you. you. You do it on a you do it on a mostly yearly basis, right? Uh, I do it, I think, every couple of years. Um, yeah. There isn't that. I mean, honestly, that there isn't always like 15 brand new apps, right? The, the, every single year that mean a lot, right? Like there is always new stuff, but there isn't necessarily like you don't turn everything over on a yearly basis right so like you would be writing about the same things i guess every year um but you picked nine uh applications uh in very different categories and i wanted to just kind of like go through them a little bit you could give like a sentence or two on them and and if we have any questions about like how and why you use those apps can we jump in is that good okay yes yeah so the first is headspace Mm. hi yeah hi Mm. Hi, welcome. <laughs> you know, welcome to <laughs> get comfortable. Get, feel the chair. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you've ever heard Headspace, you know what we're doing right now. Uh, but what is Headspace? Uh, it's a meditation app, uh, guided meditation. So you listen mm-hmm. to this person who uh, someone on Twitter uh, a few days ago sent me his Twitter account and um, it does not look the way that I pictured him. Um, so the guy turns out he's a <laughs> he's former... A, he's basically uh, a podcaster. That's what everybody says about us. Nobody ever looks the way you expect them to look. He used to be a monk, which okay. does not surprise me. Um, so anyway, chill? yeah, uh, you listen to... So every day... Uh, the Headspace journey, the way that they describe it, consists of every day you listen for 10, 15, or 20 minutes, even 5 minutes maybe, to this session of, uh, I'm going to simplify this, uh, Some someone telling you to sit down, breathe, and do different types of exercises not in the sense of like push-ups and sit-ups but like try to it's it's an exercise for the for the mind it's like like it's time to relax drop and give me 20 (laughs) (laughs) yes uh so it's it's a way to um it's super difficult to describe and also it's organized in sections and themes based on what you're looking for so there's um there's uh, packs, that's the way that they're called. There's packs for uh, productivity or inspiration or creativity or stress, anxiety. There's all kinds of categories uh, to train yourself for. Um, but the basic idea is that you take a few minutes every day just for you and just for your mind to think and to exercise. The I guess the idea is that you exercise the ability to control what you think and to control... Um, not what you feel, but the process of being aware of what you feel. Mm-hmm. It's it's difficult to describe. It's it's for me. It's super tough to do. One because uh, you know I have 
I have a busy life. Uh, I, I'm, I do a lot of different things every day. And so even finding 10 minutes just for myself, I feel guilty or there's maybe not the time. I need to take care of other things. So that's an exercise in and of itself. Hmm. Um, but also... It was difficult for me to understand stuff like the body scan. So the ability to like sit down and just think about what you're feeling, like at a at a very physical level. Uh, it's it's very intriguing. Uh, I didn't believe this stuff at all. But there's a trial, and really, it's not about like um, f- spiritual stuff in any way. Uh, it's just um, learning to breathe and think. That's mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's nice. Um, my fiance uses it too, uh, which means that I am forced to use it sometimes because she usually plays <laughs> when she's going to sleep. So I'm forced into listening to it. I am headspaced against my will. Uh, but it, it is good. It's calming. Uh, I have also used it. Um, depending on when you... like, So, you know, you can use any of them and, and they can help you feel sleepy if that's what you need because it's just about relaxing. So I guess it's just about the time of day that you want to use it. Uh I guess on a because you know you've got headspace to work out your mind, and then you mm-hmm. have workouts plus plus to work out your body. I guess yes. Um, so this is a underscores app for workouts. Um, I should I should clarify that this week I have to use the Apple Workout app for an achievement that uh, requires me to complete seven workouts in the Apple Workout app. Um, but other oh, does wo- that not work in third party apps? No, no, it says in the workout app, in the workout app. That's so dumb. Uh, so I want my badge, and so mm-hmm. this week I'm using Apple's. Um, but otherwise, David's app is superior in multiple ways. I would summarize as complete personalization, so you can customize what the data points that you see. And also there's one feature, or just one feature that I really like, and that is actually two features. Um, the You can spin the digital crown, to end a workout on the watch and there's a there's a line chart for your heart rate that's that's ideal for me because it like at a glance it shows you uh how how fast you're going on a bike for example uh the progress over you know 20 30 minutes so yeah it is a very good workout app which is mostly focused around the apple watch in that mm. it allows you to create custom layouts for what you want to see on the watch uh, yes. when you're working out. So I use it when I am swimming because I also like the the line graph of the heart rate so I can see when I'm working hard. Uh, and it's good because I'm able to put in all of the specific information that I want to see when I'm swimming, uh, which Apple's app doesn't do a good, necessarily a good job of showing me. So it's it's a really good app for that. And of course, um, if you do anything which is a workout which is more dry related, uh, Workouts Plus Plus will allow you to listen to podcasts on your watch whilst you work out with Bluetooth headphones attached, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, streaks. A, is streaks, streaks a similar thing? You've got a lot of... Is this like New Year, New You type situation we've got going on here, Federico? It's uh, related to what we discussed on Analog when we did mm-hmm. the Kaiserlisa extravaganza episode. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it. The theme would be I'm thinking of myself more, and in Strix, um, it's a habit tracker. So there's a few habits that I would like to complete every day. Sometimes I succeed, sometimes I fail, and 
I like streaks. There's many, many Abbey trackers on, on the app source, on the app store, not source. Um, I like this one because um, it integrates with HellKit. So um, there's a, you don't need to manually complete habits for like a workout because the, the moment that you complete a workout, the app sees that data in HealthKit and sends you a notification that the habit has been marked as done for you. And also you can say uh, you, you have granular, granular controls over the frequency of completion for some habits. So you can say, I don't want to complete this every day. I want to complete this X times a week. So that works because there's some stuff that I don't need to do on a daily basis, but also I want to do at least like five times a week. So uh, I, I really like it. I, uh, I'm doing some of that this year as well, some habit tracking stuff, but I'm actually using uh, Tally instead of, instead of this because I, no. I only have a couple of things and it's pretty easy to just increment it by one or reset it to zero. That's uh, kind of how I'm tracking a few things. Um, but yeah, Streaks is really cool, and I, I really like the interface. I think it, it looks really nice, and uh, it's really customizable, which is, is really cool. Uh, so up next, we have One Second Every Day, which this mm, yeah. out of this list, this is the, most, this is the only one I hadn't heard of. Um, and I think it's maybe the most interesting to me. Um, so what does, this, what does this app do? So the idea is that at the end of the year, you you make this video that consists of one or one and a half second of footage from every day of the past year, and it's a, it's a fun way to create like a, like a little video for yourself or for your partner, for your family to show what the past year has been like. So every day you go into the app. There's like the main view is a calendar, and you can tap on individual days to add um, footage. Um, and the, the great thing about the app is that you're not forced to record video in the app itself. You can, but you can also import video from the library. Or if you forget to record a video of what you're doing, you can use the video part inside of a live photo. That's uh, clever. So that's really clever because yes. many times I forget to take a video, but I have a photo from that day. So um, I look forward to the final product in December. I did one of those face ones once. I don't remember the name of the app, but I think uh, yeah. Adam Lisagor was behind it, I think, maybe. And uh, yeah, I would love to know where that video is somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, I did it like for an entire year. I took a picture of my face every day. Oh, nice. Um, we spoke a little bit uh, about this earlier, but um, you're using HomeBridge and doing some funny HomeKit stuff. Uh, and HomeCam is part of that that setup for you, right? Yeah, um, HomeCam is this app to um, that only shows you um, um, video previews from HomeKit cameras. Um, it's much faster, especially if you have a lot of cameras. And I plan to add more um, HomeKit cameras, whether by official uh, certified hardware and also webcams uh, connected to my Raspberry Pi. Um, and this is basically a way to just tap on an icon and get a grid of real-time previews. Um, it works really well. And on the Apple TV and soon on iOS, there's the ability to, this is really clever, to control accessories or see data 
returned by sensors located in the same room as the camera. So for, I can imagine that if you have like a baby camera, for example, you can control the temperature or control the oh, lights. Oh, that's cool. And you can do this con contextually while you're watching the video. You can see on the Apple TV the sensor data and you can long press on the Siri remote to access these shortcuts with, from within the video. It's really, it's really clever. Uh, up next, we have Airtable, which this is one of those apps slash services. I have a hard time describing to people because it's kind of like... They're a tiny head culprit, Airtable. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a database, but it's also kind of a spreadsheet, but it's also kind of neither. Like, I struggle with describing this. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's like a spreadsheet combined with a database and... Uh, at like on the surface, it, it looks like a spreadsheet, but then when you tap on an item, uh, it looks like a database. So you, each item can have um, fields, and these fields are not limited to text or numbers or formulas. They can be um, switches, like on and off. Uh, they can be uh, pictures. They can be links. They can be like a, links to other items like in a relational database for example um and i'm, I'm using this to track movies that i want to watch and video games that i want to play and because of the way that um you can create filters and saved views um, depend based on the status of some of these fields i have different views for games that i'm playing right now games that are upcoming and games that have been released but that I still have not played, and also games that I finished the main story, but I need to complete the extras. Um, so yeah, it's very granular the way that I'm tracking video games. Uh, and, and and a note, or I mean, why why this as opposed to just like a list somewhere? Uh, because it, it looks colorful, and I can see. Uh, it's easier to filter, uh, as I mentioned, the different types of conditions that I want to see. So for movies, for example, I have a saved filter for uh, 4K movies that I can get on iTunes. Um, and for video games, I can see like upcoming stuff on the PS4. Um, because you can, you can create these filters, these rules, um, it's easier than a plain text list that requires me either to format or to search. I can just flip a flip a toggle and I can see just what I want to see. Um, it, it's really hard to describe, but I swear it makes sense once you try for a couple of minutes. It sounds a little bit like a file makery type deal. Mm, kind of, but it, it's more friendly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Federico, I see iCab in this list. Have you joined uh, the the great ranks of people who use third party browsers on iOS? No, 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 no. <laughs> No, no, um, not doing that. But I use iCab as like, um, like the browser that comes in when Safari cannot get something done. And it's like, hey, buddy, let me let me take care of this for you. Mm. So like downloads, you know, this crazy thing that people use the web to download files. Um, it, it's a thing. Apparently, uh, you can go on a, on the web and download, you know, documents. It's a, this crazy concept, crazy crazy idea. So yeah. Uh, People download stuff using a web browser, and iCab has an excellent built-in downloader UI, like a menu that uh, lists all your downloads, and you can tap on them, and you can do stuff with them. Imagine that. It's a crazy, crazy idea. Um, mm. 
and also um, iCab, unlike Safari, has better controls for websites that do not work well on mobile devices, such as GoFigure Airtable. Uh, they have a website that if you try to open the web app on your iPhone, it just says, go to the app store and get the app, except that the app does not have all of the features from the web app. So I need to use iCab in desktop mode um, and the, the, to, to access these features. And what makes it better than Safari's request desktop site mode is that it's a permanent one. Uh, so you can create a rule that says every time you see this domain, uh, oh. always expose the user agent for Safari for Mac or Google Chrome for Mac. So the web, so you can pretend that you're a desktop browser and the website thinks you are a desktop browser, but in fact, you're still using an iPad. So um, this works really well in iCab. Is that still touch control? Or did they mock up like a pointer with a trackpad or something? I think, I don't remember. Uh, I think that one you're thinking of is um, not Dolphin, Puffin web browser, something like that. <laughs> they went the, in fin. They have like they have some kind of bird icon. Uh, I think okay. I wrote a. I think I wrote about it last year on in in iPad Diaries. I think it's Puffin web browser that simulates like a trackpad mode in the in the corner of the screen. Um, yeah. That's a thing, also. Uh, so I don't use iCab as my main browser, just when I okay. just when I need it's to. It's just in emergencies. Yes. So you introduced me to Toggle, and it looks like you're now using a different time tracking application. It's time to talk about time tracking, everyone's favorite <clears throat> okay. uh, discussion. So we're using to something else now. Have you moved away from Toggle? Yeah, I d I don't like the fact that Toggle. Um, they apparently they don't care about an iPhone or iPad experience, like a good one. Uh, because they are a web service, they have an iPhone app now, and it's getting better, but they don't have an iPad version, and the iPhone app is nowhere near where I like it to be. Um, and Time, Time Logger, um, it's this app that, like, I couldn't find any review. Um, <laughs> like, I was nobody talking about this. You know, all the time tracking people, what are you? Um, I guess there must be. There I'm must right be. A, here. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> so you, you should you should you should have told me about this app, Mike. Um, I like it because it's um, it works that it works the way that I think of my timers. So you can you can create groups, you can create multiple timers, and you can see these in depth stats directly on iOS instead of going to the toggle web app mm. uh, you have these reports and these uh, the ability to break down uh, time by project or by task you can add notes there's an iPhone app there's a widget so I don't have to make my own workflows um, there's a widget there's an Apple watch version um, it, it, and really most mostly I just go to the global stats page and I I tap on the group tab and i can take a look at how much time i'm spending on what part mm. of my life and for example this week because of all the writing that i've been doing max stories which is the red project is at 87 percent which is totally insane um so yeah it's it's a native ios time tracker that lets me do more time tracking on ios instead of using safari or icab or going to a web app um so here's a question still, that I very okay. rarely ask. Do they have mm. a Mac app? <laughs> <laughs> no, they do not. Well, but goodbye. I think it's, 
you know it's it's that kind of app from a single developer uh single person uh, just you know. wait until uh, Project yeah. Marzipan, and they'll be able to write one. There you go. I can at least get a menu bar app. It, mm-hmm. Weirdly, this is like one of the only things which is a deal breaker for me. There's, there aren't many software categories where is there a Mac app is necessarily a deal breaker of mine. This is one of them because the most hours that I put in are on a Mac. Like it is recording and editing. Like they are the 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 longest things that I will do. And I want to have something native on the Mac that I can set things with. And I get like toggle apps kind of are not good everywhere, but they do a decent job. And do you know what? I actually just use, I just leave a tab open in Chrome on uh, all my devices as well. And it works fine for me and my widgets work fine. And I'm kind of, I'm fine with toggle as it is. Uh, but I'm only ever going to look at something if I can get like an experience everywhere. And if this doesn't mm-hmm. have any way for me to use it on my Mac, then it's not yeah. going to be for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the last one is Home Dash. Yes, uh, this is my favorite surprise uh, of all the... You know, because I spend a little time over the holidays browsing the apps or looking for new things. And... This Home Dash app, I think it used to be called a different way before, Lightify something, like a couple of years ago. Uh, anyway, Home Dash is like, imagine if HomeKit received like an iOS 11 fresh coat of paint and looked like a modern dashboard from the Jetsons. <laughs> um, this is what it looks like. Like, it's a way to create custom dashboards for your HomeKit HomeKit controls, and you have actual controls that are not just bland squares, like in the Home app. You have sliders, you have color pickers, you have real-time camera previews, you have power buttons, you have um, lists of items. It's very colorful, and it you know it 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 makes more sense because uh, than than the Apple Home app because it adapts to different types of accessories. And it's um, it looks futuristic, which is a nice plus because I feel I feel like I'm a you know I'm in a I'm in a spaceship every time I look at my home dash um, dashboard. Um, I really like it, and I wish that Apple was a little you know took a little more liberty to to try a bunch of crazy UIs with HomeKit because right now you open the Home app and it's just a bunch of squares and rectangles. Uh, it 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 looks boring. And if you try Home Dash, uh, it, it looks in- inspired and new and fresh. And it still does the same things that you can do in the Home app. I mean, as far as controls are concerned, you cannot add new accessories with Home Dash. But you can control, you can create you know, ac- dashboards for multiple rooms. Um, you can add scenes. You can add uh, multiple cameras, even. So... Um, it looks it looks really nice. The only downside, I guess, is that according to the developer, there's an Apple limitation, and so the dashboards that you create on one device they cannot sync over iCloud to another device. So you need to recreate them from scratch, which is too bad. But you know, I can live with that. This is a great list. That's an, I like that there. I think most people that would have seen this list or will have heard us talk about this now. There's going to be at least one app that you've never heard of that you might want to try out, right? Like there's some there's some interesting stuff in there, especially the HomeKit applications, which I think people don't necessarily seek for um, mm-hmm. because I don't know if you... I mean, I don't ever really think that such a thing exists. Like I just never even think to look for it. Um, so it's cool to know that there are people that are doing things in that arena as well. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the the HomeKit API used to be more difficult or problematic before. Uh, mm-hmm. Now it's. Uh, I don't think it's still perfect, but there's room for developers to go yeah. places where Apple does not want to. All right, Stephen, take us home. I think that uh, I think that about does it. If you want to find links to all the stuff we talked about, you can do so on our web- website or in the app that you're listening in. Uh, that URL is relay.fm slash connected slash 181. You get in touch with us there. There's an email link, and then there's links to all of us on Twitter. Mike is I-M-Y-K-E, uh, and Mike is the host of a bunch of shows here on Relay FM. You can check those out at relay.fm slash shows. If you like Connected, there'll be something else that you like there, I promise. You can find Federico. He writes MacStories.net, and you can find him on Twitter at V-I-T-I-C-C-I. You can find me as ISMH, and I write and host the 512Pixels YouTube channel, 512Pixels.net. And until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye. No. Oh, no. I don't know where I go. I don't know where I go in the order yet. Where do you want to go? I'll go after you. You do. You do it again. Take two. Until next week, say goodbye. No! Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) Adios! (laughs) You should leave this in.